Hi, you're listening to the Hope Church Sermon Podcast. At Hope, our mission is to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Now, join us as we listen in on a sermon from last Sunday. It is our hope that you feel God's love stronger today than ever before.
a man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever interacted with anybody that has leprosy. A lot of folks believe leprosy does not exist anymore. It does. A few years ago, I was in India, and I got to travel there, and we actually went to a village full of lepers. And the government of India, they keep all these lepers in this one area. They paint their houses a different color. They, their families, they all have to live. They're not allowed to, they're secluded. They're put into this one area because leprosy is very contagious. It still exists today, and it's a debilitating disease. It literally will eat the skin away, the soft tissue from your hands, from your fingers, from your feet, even from your face. When somebody has leprosy, you can see it. You can see it on them. It's terrible. They'll be walking around and they'll be missing a hand. They'll be missing fingers. They'll be missing part of their feet. And so this man with leprosy, he walks up to Jesus. And remember, there's a large crowd following. And the crowd kind of says, wait a second, wait a second. Everybody stay back, right? Everybody stay back. And it says the man with leprosy, he kneels before Jesus. He's unclean. This guy is highly contagious, and he comes before Jesus. Look at the next verse. At the end of verse 2, it says, this leper comes before Jesus. He says, Lord, if you're willing, he's kneeling down in front of Jesus. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And the crowd's kind of like, ah, this is kind of a downer. All right? Like Jesus has done all this incredible things. He teached. He did done this incredible stuff. And all of a sudden, this guy shows up that nobody really wants to be around. They're like, ah, come on, man. Come on, you're kind of ruining the party here. You're kind of ruining the party. So he comes down and he kneels. And you can, I want you guys to picture this moment. He kneels before Jesus. And he, and he looks at Jesus in the eyes. And he says, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. Guess what Jesus does? Guess what Jesus does? He says, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. I don't know what brought you here today. Okay. I don't know what you did last night. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what you think about God. But if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, I want you to know that your heavenly father is willing. There's nothing that you did, right? There's nothing that you can do. There's no disease. There's no sickness that's going to gross him out. He's willing to lean into this man with leprosy as the crowd is saying, ah. Everybody stay back. What's Jesus do? He leans in. He leans in. I want you to hear this morning, Jesus is willing to lean into you. No matter what's going on in your life, he says, I'm willing. I'm willing. Be clean. Immediately. Immediately. This is incredible. This man is cleansed of leprosy and the crowd goes wild, right? Yeah, you know, this is awesome. Way to go, Jesus. And again, they're beginning to think, man, who is this guy? Who is this guy? It's a street party, right? He just comes down from the mountain. They're heading to Capernaum. This guy who was sick that everybody could see, he's sick. Jesus heals him. Boom, he's cleansed. And you can almost picture this moment, right? I mean, you know you had some people in the crowd that are like running in circles. High. Yeah, you know, Jesus, Jesus, he's done it. Could this be the Messiah they've been waiting for for years and years and years? 
It's incredible. It's a big deal. So they keep going. They're heading to Capernaum. Here's what it says in verse 5. When, G- when Jesus enters Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Now, this, is, this gets lost on us. When we read this story, we really don't understand the context of what's going on here. L- let me give you a little bit of context. When, when the centurion walks up to Jesus, this is a mood changer, okay? This, this changes the mood. This group of people that are following Jesus, everything all of a sudden stops. Everything all of a sudden gets really quiet. And this is lost on us because we don't really understand the tension of what's going on in this moment. We don't really get it. So here's why this was a mood changer. Here's why this changed the whole scenario. See, about 100 years prior to this, a Roman general enters into the temple in Jerusalem. Nobody was allowed to go in this one room in the temple, but this Roman general was curious. Who is this God? Who is this Jewish God that they're talking about? This God who says that he is the only God. This God that says that he is above every other God. He is the one and only God. This Roman general wants to find out who is this God. So he decides... This is a hundred years before the story we're reading. He decides, I'm going to give myself a self-guided tour to find out who this God is. So he walks right into the Jewish temple. It's this massive, beautiful temple. And he, and he pushes aside this massive big curtain, pushes it out of the way. He walks right in. The high priest is the only one allowed in this. It's called the Holy of Holies. Nobody's allowed in there. This Roman general discards all of that. He says, forget all of that. I'm walking in. I want to see who this God is that they're talking about. So he comes and he gives himself a self-guided tour. And he he desecrates the temple. And he moves the curtain aside. He says, let me see what, who is this God? And he walks in to this room. And he's confused. Because inside of the room, there's a table and a candle, and a little bit of gold, no idol, no statue, and he thinks to himself, these Jews are crazy. These Jews are worshiping a God that has no physical representation. These Jews are worshiping a God that you can't even see. They're crazy. The Roman general walks out and he leaves, but he doesn't leave alone. He leaves with thousands of Jews in tow. Thousands of Jewish slaves now have been conquered by the Roman Empire. And it changed everything for the Jewish people. They now belonged to the Roman Empire. And so this Roman general, he comes in, he desecrates the the temple, and he walks out, and now they have been conquered by Rome. And this centurion represents Rome. The centurion in our story represents all of that. The Roman Empire now forced the Jews to pay taxes to them. They mistreated them. They treated them like they were second-class citizens. This centurion represented all of that. The Roman Empire eventually would introduce crucifixion to the Jewish people. They were awful to the Jewish people. 
And this centurion, okay, he wasn't just a Roman soldier. This centurion, a hundred years later, he's in charge of the Roman soldiers. This is the big dog, right? This is the guy who's responsible for making sure that the Roman soldiers were doing their job and keeping the Jewish people enslaved. These centurions were bad dudes, okay? They would flog, sometimes even kill their own men if they weren't being mean enough, if, if they weren't being bad enough. And so here we have in this story, a centurion walks up to Jesus, who was Jewish. Jewish people hated centurions. They were, they were tortured by them. They hated them. And so he walks up. Here's what he says to Jesus. Look at, look at this, what, what the centurion says. He says, Jesus entered Capernaum. A centurion came, came to Jesus and he's asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home. He's paralyzed, suffering terribly. So the centurion walks up and this is the context of what's going on. This is the, this is the tension. All these people are watching Jesus. What's he going to do? They hated this centurion. He represented personally, ethnically, nationally, religiously, everything that the Jewish people hated. And he walks up and he needs a favor from Jesus. Now, you guys don't know this about me, but I'm a huge Bulldog fan. Do we have any Bulldog fans in the room? Georgia Bulldogs? Yes. Yes. Awesome. We got two of them. I, I am a huge Georgia Bull, Bulldog fan. My wife and I, we lived in Atlanta uh, for a lot of years. She went to the University of Georgia while we were dating. We went to a bunch of games. In fact, my wife grew up in Georgia. She only lived outside of the state of Florida since we moved to Florida about five years ago. And so she's a huge Bulldog fan. We're a huge uh, Bulldog, Bulldog fans as a family. I have three kids, Bentley, my daughter, and two boys, Silas and Layton. We're all Bulldog fans. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but the Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship. Did you guys know that? This is a good year to be a Bulldog. It's a really good year to be a Bulldog. I, I, uh, I have a picture. I have a picture of our family. Let me show you. Uh, this is us. Can you guys see us? Um, I don't know if you can't see in the TV. Is it on the TVs over here as well? On the TV in the background of that picture, this is at like 12 o'clock, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning, sometime late. We had just won the national championship. So this was just a couple of months ago, and we were pumped. We were pumped, right? We were so excited. Now, if you look closely, there's actually a bulldog in the picture. We got another picture of him. Do you see him? Look at him. That's Chubb. That's Chubb, okay? He's an English bulldog. Now, you can say you're a fan of the bulldogs, but when you have the officially licensed pet of the Georgia Bulldogs, okay? Chubb is named after one of our favorite bulldog players. His name's Nick Chubb. And so that's Chubb. He's the man of the house. We love the bulldogs. We love the bulldogs. But I do have a confession to make to you guys. I don't actually watch very many Georgia games. I don't want you all to tell anybody, okay? If we're, are we putting this online? Let's cut, let's cut the video at this point, okay? I don't want you guys, let's not, I don't want this to leave the room. I don't actually watch very many Georgia games. Here's why. 
because I get kind of tense, okay? A couple of years ago, I realized, why am I screaming at the TV? Can anybody relate to this? What? I'm scaring the kids. I'm scaring the kids. The kid, my kids are like, what's wrong with dad? The neighbors are probably thinking, what's going on here? My, my blood pressure grows up. I get frustrated. If they lose, it ruins my night. It's ruined my week, right? We've been good for a few years, but we haven't closed the deal. I get really frustrated with the Bulldogs. And so I have limits on being a Georgia Bulldog fan, right? I have limits. I love them. But I don't actually watch very many games. It's like, you know what? I'm going to support you. I'm going to cheer for, for you. But there's a limit to my love. And that's exactly, stick with me, that's exactly what people are wondering in this story. In Matthew 8, you've got a group of people who have been following Jesus. They've been watching him. And they see this centurion walk up to Jesus. He had just preached the Sermon on the Mount. Love your neighbor. If somebody wants you to go a mile, go two miles. If they want your shirt, give them your jacket too, right? Love people, love people, love people. He's talking this big game. Jesus is talking a big game. What's he going to do about it, right? He comes off the mountain and he heals a leper. Everybody, yeah, all right, he heals a leper. But that's an easy one. Everybody felt bad for the leper. Everybody felt bad for the leper. Nobody felt bad for the centurion. In fact, they hated him. They hated him. So there's this tension as we, as we watch this story, there's this tension that we walk into. And they're literally looking, standing, watching. Jesus, what are you going to do? What are you going to do here? Essentially, what they're asking is, is there a limit? Is there a limit? Is there a limit? Are you going to practice what you preach? Are you going to actually follow? Are you going to actually follow through? Jesus could have walked right by. The centurion walks up to him and he could, he could have just walked right by and pretend like he didn't see him, right? I mean, this could potentially affect Jesus' ministry. Jesus is trying to build this ministry and build this movement. What if the people left him? You're going to heal this guy, a Roman guy? You're going to help him? No, we're not following you anymore. All of this is hanging in the balance. You know what Jesus could have said? Are you kidding me? He could have walked right up to this guy and said, you need a favor? You need a favor? Are you kidding me? You know, I know what you did. You know, I know who you are. I know who you are. Some of you came to church this morning, and that's how you think about God. When you ask him for something, when you need something, in the back of your head, you got something that tells you Jesus is saying, God's saying, I know who you are. I know what you did. And you're going to ask me for a favor? You're going to ask, ask me for help? Are you? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? There's so much hanging in the balance. But Jesus came, and this is what I want you guys to catch. Jesus came to introduce not just a new way of seeing the world. Jesus came to introduce to us a new way of seeing people in the world. He didn't, he didn't come just 
to show us a new way of seeing the world. And we miss this. We miss this. Jesus came to show us a new way of seeing people in the world. Let's see, let's see what he does. Jesus says to him, should I come heal him? You want me to come to your house? What? Everybody's like, you've got to be kidding me. The people that are watching, the people that are standing around, this large crowd, they're like, dude, are you kidding me? They're watching to see what Jesus does, but at the end of the day, they don't want Jesus to help this Roman guy. This is a bad dude. And Jesus immediately says, hey, you want, you want me to come to your house? They're thinking, this is too far, Jesus. This is too far. Jesus says, you want me to come to your house? Should I, should I come heal him? The centurion replies, this is awesome. He says, Lord, I don't need you to come to my house. I don't, I, don't, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. And everybody's like, you got that right, right? Yeah, you don't deserve to have Jesus come under your roof. You're exactly right. The centurion says, say the word and my servant will be healed. This is a centurion man looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, if you say it, it'll happen. This is unprecedented extraordinary faith extraordinary faith the story continues for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me I tell this one go he goes that one come and he comes I say to my servant do this and he does it when Jesus heard this he was amazed and he said to those following him the crowd the group of people he says to them truly I tell you I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Then Jesus said to the centurion, he said, go, let it be done to you just as you believed it would. And his servant is healed in that moment. Jesus literally says, hey, go, it's done. That favor that you needed, it's yours. It's done. In fact, he goes on to say, I'm going to compliment this guy's faith. I'm going to point out in front of all these people that hate this man. I'm going to point out his faith. Say, wow, you've got incredible faith. Go. Your servant has, has been healed. And, and I can picture Jesus in this moment. And he, and he looks around. Imagine just kind of looking around right now. He looks around at all the people. And he smiles. He says, come on, let's go. Let's go to Peter's house. We're going to have lunch. Jersey Mike's. Come on. And they're shocked. And they're confused. They're bothered. They don't understand. Why? Because Jesus isn't putting limits on who he loves. And, and that bothered them. It confused them. They'd never seen anybody do that before. Jesus isn't seeming to put any limits on the people that he cares about, the people that he loves. See, he had, he had just talked a big game. He, he says, hey, I want you to love the people that are mean to you. I, I, want you to, 
I want you to go the extra mile for people that probably don't deserve it. He talked a big game. They'd seen him do it over and over again where he'd talk and he'd preach and he said these things, but now they're actually getting to see him live it out. See, in this story, Jesus isn't just saying these things. These aren't just great hashtags. These aren't just things we, we put on social media. Hey, love your neighbor, right? Be good to people. These aren't just hashtags that Jesus is putting out. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I want you to actually follow what I'm modeling for you here. I want you to actually, I want you to actually do this. I want you to, I want you to put it into practice. He's saying, I want you to love people who don't look like you, who don't think like you, who don't believe like you do. In fact, I want you to love people that don't even like you. Well, let me ask you guys a question. How's that going? How's that going? All right? We look out into the world right now. We got an election season coming up, right? The news, everything that's happening, the world is full of hate. It is full of hate. How do you think this is going? It's not going too well, is it? It's not going too well. But here's the thing. It's really easy to look out there. It's really easy to look out there and say, boy, that's not going too well. But what about for us? I'm not talking about people outside of the faith. I'm talking about people who would say, yeah, I, I put my faith in Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. I love Jesus. I come to church. Maybe you're here this morning and you're discovering who Jesus is. You're just trying to figure it out. This is a great place to do that. How's it going for us? How are we doing at loving people who aren't like us? How are we doing at loving people who don't like us? Here's the, the challenge. Here's the thing that I see a lot of. I think our churches are full of people who will come to church. Yeah, we'll go to small group. We'll sit, maybe take notes. We might read our Bible every once in a while. We say we believe in Jesus, but we don't behave it. We believe it, but we have limits. We believe it, but we don't behave it. And what I want you guys to hear this morning is if that's you, you are contributing to where we are as a nation right now. As followers of Jesus, if we are content to simply believe all the right things and then put a limit on what we actually do, we are contributing to where we are as a country. See, Jesus never invited us to just believe. No, he's calling us. He's calling us to say, let your belief turn into behavior. Let what you believe about me, let what you see me do, actually change the way that you live. Sometimes we sit in a room like this and we say, yeah, Jesus, he heals the leper. Woo! 
And then we see a centurion and we're like, yeah, nah, nah. Just like the people in the story. We put a limit on our faith. We put a limit on how far we're willing to go to trust Jesus and to follow Jesus. I want to challenge you guys this morning. If we're content to simply believe all the right things and it stops there, we will not change the world. We will not change our world. We will not change anything. People that change the world, they're the ones who act and react. When they see people treated unjustly, when they see things that are unfair, when they see things that aren't right, they don't just believe the right things. They act and react when something isn't right. And that's what Jesus models for us. That's literally what he did with the centurion. He sees this man and he, and he starts with love. He sees this man not for what he does, or who he was. No, he sees this man first and says, this is someone that I can love. This, this is someone who's worthy of my love. He starts with love. How's that going for you? How's that going? I want to give you something I think will help you with this. Everybody pull out your phones. We're going to kind of discover who the centurion is in our lives. Pull out your phone real quick. Everybody pull out your phone, pull out your phone, pull out your phone. Some of you had your phones out the whole time. You're like, yeah, I've been on Instagram. I've been on Facebook. There you go. You've been following along. Good job. Pull out the camera app on your phone. I want you to, we're going we're gonna to discover who the centurion is. Put it, put it on me. Take a picture of me real quick. Everybody take a picture of me. Take a picture of me. I'll smile. There we go. I think this is going to help you discover who the centurion is. Okay? I know you've been thinking, who's the centurion in my life? Who's the centurion in my life? Who is it that I... Who is it that's a centurion? Okay, leave your phones out. Take your camera app. Don't put it on your spouse. Don't put it on your spouse, okay? <laughs> I want you to turn that, push that little button that turns your camera around, and, and I want you to look at yourself, okay? You're the centurion. We have to remember this. You, you are the centurion. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated, he acted, he moved. He moved on our behalf while we were yet centurions, right? While we were yet sinners, while we were yet centurions, what did he do? He died for us. He died for every single one of us. Don't point your finger and say, look at that person. No, you need to realize, hey, I was a centurion. I was a centurion. I went my own way. I rejected Christ. I was the bad guy. And in the middle of that, what did Jesus do? He showed up. He reacted. He acted. He moved in our direction. He leaned in. When we didn't deserve to have anybody leaned in, lean in on us, what did Jesus do? He leaned in our direction. He said, I love you. I'm going to start with love. And I'm going to do that by showing up in your world. Man, when we realize that we are the centurion, all of a sudden it helps us 
treat people who think differently than we do, who act differently than we do, who don't live like we do, who, who don't even like us. Now all of a sudden we can say, no, I'm gonna start with love. I'm gonna start with love. I'm gonna start with kindness. We can follow Jesus' example in that. My challenge, my invitation for you today is start with love. That's what Jesus modeled for us. And we're not doing that good, myself included. If we want to change our community, Winter Garden, Orlando, Florida, the United States, the world, we got to follow Jesus' example. We got to have a radical love that's provocative, that causes people to think that's unusual. Where's that coming from? Where's that coming from? Can only come from one place can only come from one place. It comes from our Heavenly Father. Would you guys bow your heads with me real quick? Close your eyes. We're just going to pray. I want to give you a minute. I want to give you a minute to think about this for yourself. Have you been treating people? Are, are you defined by leading with love? Are you... Are you defined? Would you say that you are the kind of person that says, yeah, I, I'm not going to judge people first. I'm not going to look Republican, Democrat, pro-life, pro-choice, right, left, right, white, black, male, female. No, no, no. I'm going to start with love. I'm going to start with love. That's how we need to be defined as followers of Jesus. That's what he's inviting us into. Is that what you are defined by? Let me give you a minute to just pray about that. Heavenly Father, help us with this. God, we are not perfect, but we want to follow your lead. We want to follow your lead. Help us to do that, God. God, we want to be agents for change. That the love that we have for our community will be modeled after you. The love that we have for people who are, are, are different from us, it comes from you. God, help us to share that. I don't know why, but you've chosen us to share your love. I don't know why you've done that, but you have. God, help us to be good stewards of that. We ask for that as a church. I pray for that over, over Hope Church today, that this would be a place that is defined by love, love that comes from your son, Jesus, that he showed up while we were sinners. He showed up for every single one of us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Hope Church, please feel free to visit us at hopewintergarden.com or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Winter Garden. We hope you have a blessed day.